congratulations because once you make it to the end of this video we will have gone through one-fourth of mark's gospel i know it doesn't really seem like it's been all that long and but we're already one-fourth of the way through it it's a pretty short gospel and I would encourage you that if you haven't done so already to go ahead and read the whole gospel, you know, right now, maybe start in, in chapter one and go all the way through chapter 16. And there you'll be able to, to get kind of the story of where we're going to be headed. But in this video, we're just going to take a look at just this, this chapter four. And we're going to see these wonderful teachings of Jesus that he, he uh, really loved. And, and it's kind of also a kind of teaching that we even talk about today, and that is the teaching of parables. So we're going to get into a little bit of why Jesus spoke in parables, um, maybe a little bit of what a parable is, you know, some of those types of things. Uh, all of those come out in this chapter. So let's uh, take a look at Mark 4 together. Mark 4 verses 1 and 2. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set uh, and set in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, we'll get to what he said in a moment, but let's stop right here, because we see that what Jesus is doing in his ministry, he's not simply going around and just always healing people and, you know, things like that. He's also teaching. Constantly throughout all of the Gospels, what we see in Jesus is he was taking care of people, you know, physically, kind of some of those those uh, ideas as well, but then he was also taking care of them uh, mentally speaking, spiritually speaking, however you kind of want to phrase that, Jesus was engaged in helping people uh, as a whole individual and really also as a, as a whole society. So right now we see that Jesus is once again, he's teaching. Uh, we don't see too much about him healing people so much. We will see a miracle in this chapter, but really we see that he's teaching. So let's see the type of teaching that he was engaged in. Verse two, it tells us that he taught them many things by parables. Now, parables, oftentimes it's been explained to me and I still kind of like this uh, this definition. Now, you know, whenever it comes to parables, it, it's a little difficult to find just one definition that works for all the parables because it can be a range of different types of stories. But a simple um, explanation of what a parable was that was given to me is that uh, it's a it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Basically, it just means it's a story that we can understand. It's a story that we might even in, encounter, uh, but then the meaning goes beyond just the things that we see, beyond the things that we can necessarily encounter. It goes into that uh, that unseen realm, that uh, you know, heaven itself, God's territory, uh, and it teaches us something about God teaches us something about the kingdom of God. Maybe some of these things that we can't always see just with our eyes, but these parables are supposed to teach us uh, things about them. In fact, several times that's what Jesus does. He tells us exactly what the parables are supposed to teach us. So then we already start to work those things out and, and figure them out uh, on our own. So let's see what uh, these types of teachings that Jesus spoke of, these parables. Let's, uh, let's begin with one of uh, probably one of the most famous parables, and it's the, the parable of the sower. At least that's the name that we give it. So let's keep looking at Mark 4. This time, verses 3 through 9. This is Jesus speaking. He said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. 
other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, uh, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now I want you to think about this and even, even answer this question in your own mind. What is the meaning behind this story? What's the meaning behind this parable? Now, you probably know that the seed represents this thing and then, you know, this type of soil represents that and, and everything. And, you know, we, we actually call this parable the parable of the sower, but in all honesty, it has very little to do with the sower. It has so much more to do with the soil. And this soil, we're going to see uh, what it represents because really that's the difference. It's the same sower that's going out and he's sowing the same seed. But whenever that seed falls on different types of soil, that's what makes the difference. So what do these soils represent? You probably already know. I'm not going to tell you just yet because we're going to see it in the text. Because this is what Jesus gave the people. He gave them these lessons. But now we're also going to see in this chapter that Jesus did something more to his own disciples. He gave them more information, uh, largely because they didn't understand these stories. You know, to us, we might think, oh, well, that makes sense. It makes sense because we've been taught them. It's made, it makes sense to us because we know how to think like this. If you want to get an example of to what a, what a parable does uh, to, to many of us, um, I like to compare the parables that Jesus spoke of uh, to the book of Revelation. Uh, and I know at first that seems strange, but just hear me out on this. Because the parables were these stories that what you actually see within the, the stories, they don't always exactly match up just one-to-one -one with what you really see in reality. But because we're so used to hearing these parables and so used to hearing sermons about these parables and talking about these parables, that we automatically understand. You know, we already know what these parables are supposed to be teaching us, at least for the most part. You know, we might get stumped every once in a while and have to spend a little bit more time in trying to, to figure out, well, what exactly did Jesus mean by that? However, I, I do tend to, to find that whenever uh, Christians come to the book of Revelation, we see these uh, we see these stories, we see these symbols, and then they can just be confusing to us because we don't really know, you know, we, we don't understand how to connect these things. Um, and, and I would say to you that, that most of that reason comes because we focus on these parables and we know how to think within these parables and we know how to use these parables. But when it comes to the book of Revelation, it's actually a very similar thing that he's doing there, but we don't understand it because uh, we, we've got a lot of different people uh, who have uh, different ideas on how Revelation should be interpreted. And because of that, you know, we don't always exactly know, well, well, what does this symbol represent or what does that other symbol represent? Let's remember that one thing that Jesus constantly did with his parables is he told us something about them to which we can start to draw our attention. Usually he would say, look, the kingdom of God is like this. And then he told a parable. Well, perhaps it's important for us whenever we read the book of Revelation to pay attention to what Jesus tells us there, that sometimes he does give us a heads up of what these stories are telling us. Now, I'm not trying to, to talk about Revelation so much. I just want us to see that parables can be a little difficult to understand. That's because they serve a purpose. And we're gonna be looking at some of those purposes uh, together. Um, so hopefully that helps you kind of comparing and, and relating some of those things uh, with the book of Revelation. Um, and uh, I know that it's something that I like to do because I, I think that it can help us uh, better understand the Word of God and recognize both that, that
that revelation might not be as difficult as what we um, start out thinking, but also the parables sometimes aren't as easy as we start out thinking either. It just depends on how much time are you willing to put into them to understand them. Because I believe if you're willing to put in time, then you will be able to reap uh, a reward. You will be able to reap a benefit. Okay, so within this parable right here, this parable of the soils, that's what I'm going to uh, to call it. You see that the birds come and they, they ate up some of the seed in some places, rocky places, uh, in other ones. Uh, that made it to where the soil uh, wasn't good, wasn't receiving of the, the seeds. And then uh, some of this seed, it was choked out by thorns, and some of it came on good soil. And that is where it produced a crop. But then in verse 9, I want you to, to draw attention to this. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That's so important. That's, that's to let us realize, look, we, we've got to have ears to hear. We've got to pay attention and make sure that we're listening to what Jesus is saying. So what is Jesus saying with this story? Verses 10 through 12. When he was alone, the twelve and others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be uh, ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So in this passage, we actually get the, the reason for why uh, we, we see these parables. These parables were to do two things. To that group of people who were willing to work through it and understand the message of God, they were going to take the time and work through it and understand the message of God, even if it might be um, kind of cloaked a little bit in these stories about these parables that don't, that they deal with things that Jesus is not really talking about. Like, he's not really talking about a sower and soils and seed. He's not really talking about that. They're symbols for something else. So, to those people, they're going to take time, they're going to figure those things out. But then there's another group of people. There's a group of people who is just going to look at these stories and just say, well, he's just talking about some sower, you know, some farmer. Okay, I, I know that guy, you know, that, that's my neighbor. They're not going to take the time to really understand what Jesus, his message was all about. That's the purpose of the parables, was to kind of conceal some of these things. It wasn't always just to make it easier for people. In fact, most of the time, the parables don't necessarily make it easier for us. That's why we see the disciples, uh, like even in this passage, um, you know, they're, they're asking them about these parables because they don't understand it. They're trying to take the time, but it still takes a lot of time. So they have their own questions. And whenever Jesus responds to that, he says, look, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now, because you and I are disciples also, those secrets and the, those, that information about the kingdom of God has been revealed to us. The apostle Paul several times talks about that mystery that's been revealed through Christ. Basically that it's the gospel. You know, it's the fact that uh, you and I as Gentiles, you know, some nation other than the nation of Israel, that, that we are people from some nation other than the nation of Israel, we can be brought in to the fold of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. That is the secret of the kingdom of God. Now, verse 11 also tells us that those who are on the outside of all of these things, uh, everything is said to them in parables. And the reason is that it's going to kind of mask it. It's going to make them have to work for it. Now, on the one hand, Christianity is, is very uh, simple uh, as far as, you know, following Christ, you know, the, largely a lot of it makes sense and it is pretty simple. However, there is also a part of depth to it. 
that you know we we've got to take time we've got to actually work through it in order to figure some of these things out now people can help us along the way and and i you know i hope that we can be people who are going to help one another along the way but it can still be a little bit of a struggle a little bit of a difficulty because we're, we're dealing with a different way of looking at the world around us it's the way of christ the way that he offers this is what he says to us who are following god the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to us. We get a lot of the insider information of these parables. Some of them we don't get, but a lot of them we understand fully what Jesus is trying to teach us. So let's keep looking, and now we're going to see that parable of the sower uh, revealed by Jesus himself. So we don't have to wonder, well, what does all this mean? We're told. One thing I will warn you about this, a lot of times the parables um, have one main story that they're trying to get. Uh, and not necessarily every single detail relates to something, um, but yet this parable actually has a lot of different uh, parts that, that relate to something. And that's why Jesus does explain it. Uh, beginning in verse 13 and going through it through verse 20. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of their uh, of sorry, the desires for other things come in and choke the word making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. There's a lot of lessons here. There's a lot of depth to this. Basically, we see that what that seed represents, um, the, uh, the farmer, he's sowing the word. That seed represents the word. How do people receive this word? How do people receive this this good news, this message about Jesus Christ and what he is, uh, what he's doing um, in, in the world, both during the days of Mark, but also during our own days as well. How do people respond to it? Well, some people, they hear it, and right after they hear it, the Satan comes and he takes it away from them. And that, that's it. It doesn't do anything else. It, it's not fruitful in their lives because they don't allow it to be. And other people, uh, they are like the rocky places. And they're excited about the message and they get all excited, but then that excitement just kind of dies down and then that, that's it. It just doesn't really do anything. It doesn't have real substance there. Uh, the, the soil itself doesn't have enough substance to sustain the seed. Verse 18 talks about how other people, um, they get all distracted by all these worries of life. Actually, it says the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in. They choke out the word. Other things come in and kind of take the place, choke out this message, making it unfruitful. But then verse 20 tells us that some people can receive this word like seed that's sown on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and within them it produces a crop. Now notice this, and, and, and I think this is kind of important uh, to, to point out for us and to recognize. It, I don't think it's by accident that Jesus actually says, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, you might be related to 
the the uh, the crop that only produces you know 30 percent more or you know 30 i'm sorry 30 times more or maybe 60 times more or or maybe you represent the, the ones that are going to be 100 times more what was sown it's not so important which category you fit into and exactly how much fruit comes from this what matters is are you bearing this fruit are you allowing the seed to grow in your life because i don't know that it's as much within your control or even my control as to whether or not we are the 30 the 60 or the 100 times but what our job is is to let that seed grow within us and to let it produce a wonderful fruit in our own lives and we need to to hear this word of jesus we need to accept it and within us it needs to produce a crop it needs to produce fruit something good something godly that's what this parable is about and that's largely what a lot of the parables are about but here in this passage we see specifically what this one is about and it's more detailed than a lot of the others i think that's why jesus kind of gives us so much detail about this one but there's still some other uh parables that are a little bit simpler and and really kind of have only basically one uh big message so now let's kind of notice some of those things verses 21 through 25 he said to them do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed instead don't you put it on its stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open if anyone has ears to hear let him hear consider carefully what you hear he continued with the measure you use it will be measured to you and even more whoever has will be given more whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them now we see in this passage that what jesus is talking about is yes he's talking about this light and and uh you know he he has already spoken um some of these types of ideas about you know letting our light shine so the idea about a lamp and being brought in and teaching us something um that of course we've seen that but right here um he's not just talking about you know letting your light shine he's talking about more than that he's talking about these things that that were hidden you know whenever you bring a lamp into an area it's it's hard for us to grasp this so let me let me kind of back up and make sure that we we approach it from this perspective in our world we have street lights everywhere so it's like we we just even at nighttime uh places are just lit up but you know go travel sometime like out in the country and you start to notice that it could be a pretty long time before you ever see another light besides you know maybe your own your own headlights or, or something like that there's not a whole lot of things that light up the, the world around you out there that's the world they lived in they they didn't live in a world that's just lit up at night whenever nighttime came um that's whenever you went to sleep i mean yeah you had lamps and stuff but you didn't have a, a large number of lights around to be able to continue to to still um go on you know with your day-to-day -day life so this concept about bringing a lamp into some places that would would reveal whatever might be in that that uh, that room in the case of what jesus is saying it would reveal the things that are concealed and he's saying now is this time now is the time that the the lamp has got to light up these things that were at one point hidden they need to be out in the open they need to be revealed we need to have ears to hear we need to hear and we also need to consider the things uh what we are hearing in verses 24 and 25 you know i said before that that i don't think that it's entirely our uh choice as to whether we produce the 30 60 or 100 times more but we do get 
places like this. And, and I want us to, to kind of combine this with that other parable too, because we see that we've got to be careful about this stuff. And we need to be careful about uh, what, how we handle these things. Because we do see that uh, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you even more. But then whoever has will be given more, but whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So yes, on the one hand, I don't think that we have a whole lot of control on whether we're the 30, the 60, or the 100 times. But obviously from this passage, there is some control that we have. And that is that, look, we need to be careful with the things that, that we hear. This word that we hear, we need to be careful what we do with it. We need to make sure that we respect the things that God has given us. And it's time that things are revealed, that things need to be uh, openly proclaimed. That's the time in which we live in. And Jesus uh, continues on in this chapter, and he gives us even some more parables. Verses 26 through 29. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I love parables like this because it kind of teaches us something about both the world that we live in, but then also about the things that are God's business. Because this right here, we get from verse 26, look, this is a story that's connected with the kingdom of God, okay? This is what the kingdom of God is like. So whenever a man puts seed into the ground, what happens is, you know, he does that, and yeah, he, he might have to continue to, to, to help it along the way, but ultimately, he doesn't really know exactly how all this other stuff works. He just knows that, look, he planted seed, and from that seed, then we see the stalk comes, the head, then the full kernel in the head, and then as soon as it's ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. So all this is kind of just this, this natural progression that the farmer understands, but it's also something that the farmer has little control over. I mean, he's got some control, and he needs to, to take control of the things that he can and do the things that he can. But then there comes a time whenever you literally have to hand over some of these things to God. I hope that the events of this past year has kind of taught us that, look, there's some things that are beyond our control, and we just need to allow God to take care of those things. He'll work those things out. Maybe a little different than what we might expect, but he'll work those things out. Just like with plants. We don't always know uh, how productive uh, plants might be whenever we plant the seed, but that's not as much our, our, our job. You know, there can be things that we can that we can help along the way, but ultimately God is the one that produces those things. There's things that only God is capable of doing. One of them is producing plants. That's what God can do. We can't do it. Farmers can't do it. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to belittle what farmers do. I mean, I, obviously we need farmers in order to to produce the food that we eat. But they're not the ones that actually kind of are responsible uh, for the food itself. It's a gift of God. They're the ones who are working within what God has set up so that we can all reap the benefits. And there's parallels with the kingdom of God because it's not always, you know, your job to to make other people grow or to make other people, uh, you know, accept the gospel message. Your job is to do what is your job, to spread that message and to allow people to know about it and then allow God to do the parts that's that's maybe unseen, the parts that he, he'll work on the heart 
of those people. And he will help them come and follow the way of Christ. And he continues to help us uh, on our journey. And he allows us to, he gives us every tool that we, that we possibly need. This parable teaches us those things. Life itself teaches us those things. That there are things only God can do. And we've got to accept that. We've got to allow him to do those things while always working uh, with him on his side. Uh, there's still uh, one more parable in this uh, in this chapter. So let's see that, that, that next one. Verses 30 through 34 now. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So now we see even more details about uh, what we've seen in times past. This parable is teaching us about the kingdom of God, that yes, this this uh, mustard seed is like the kingdom of God. You can't hardly even see it at first, but then it can produce great things. Well, that's how the kingdom is as well. You might not always be able to see it growing in your area just you know, instantly, but at some point, you will be able to see these things take root and, and take off. Jesus taught in these parables. And then he explained these things to his disciples. Guess what? We're the disciples of Jesus. We need to make sure that we explain to one another these things that Jesus has taught us and that we need to take them to heart. We need to have ears that are willing to hear. This final story that we see in this chapter tells us about how great Jesus is, how great it is for, for us to listen to this one, or really how great this one is that we listen to. Verses 35 through 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked one another, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You look at this story. This is oftentimes very much how we are. You know, we're, we're, we're like the same thing. You know, we're going through some storm in our, our life. And, uh, you know, just like how they were in the boat, it looks bad. And we might ask God the same question that they asked Jesus in verse 38. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Yeah, he cared. Yes, he, he cared deeply. That's why what Jesus does whenever he wakes up in verse 39, you know, he, he's able to sleep during the storm. I think there's a lesson there too. But he's able to sleep during the storm. But whenever he wakes up, he just says, quiet, be still. And it all listens. Then he actually kind of rebukes them because they don't have the faith that they need to have. They've seen so many great things from Jesus. Shouldn't they have been able to have faith? We need to make sure that we can, can step up and that we can have the faith also in Jesus Christ. Sometimes, yes, we might ask the question, teacher, don't you care if we drown? The answer is yes. Our teacher does care. Our God, he cares. In verse 41, 
the disciples recognize something that is so important for us to recognize. They do it by asking this question. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now that question is answered in this book. That's the point of all of the Gospels. They answer that question of who Jesus is and the impact that Jesus plays in each one of our lives. And as we continue this study, you know, congratulations, you are a fourth of the way through the book of Mark. There's still a lot more for us to look at. And we will continue to see who Jesus is and what he did, not only during his own day, but also what he's doing uh, during our day as well. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus Christ is wonderful. Let's keep learning more and more about him so that we can follow him better tomorrow than what we have even today.